Let's go to Space Blue Sky Learning, episode 108, inspiring the STEM women of tomorrow, today. Kevin and I are excited to meet with Zhang Dao, or Ginger Chen. She is a PhD student at the Florida Institute of Technology, majoring in STEM education, with a primary focus on computer information systems. A native to Inner Mongolia Autonomous Region in China, Ginger is dedicated to balance social equity and the advocacy of marginalized communities. Her dissertation details female astronauts' interest in STEM studies in relation to their career development. Ginger is passionate about encouraging more young women to enter the space industry. In addition to her academic pursuits, she runs track, cross-country, and participates on the swim team for Florida Tech. As always, we hope that you'll stay tuned after for the takeaways. Welcome, Ginger Chen. We really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us a little bit today. Remind our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you became interested in space. Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, this is uh, Zhang Duo, Ginger Chen. I am a second year uh, PhD student in STEM education, uh, focusing on computer information systems. Um, at, currently, I'm at Florida Institute of Technology. Um, I actually um, got a golden opportunity to meet um, the president of the Mars Society, Dr. Robert Zuberin, actually, back to August 2022, uh, the summer. So I visited him, and it just opened my eyes to the space industry. Uh, well, since I was young, I always enjoyed myself looking up to the sky and trying to seek, explore the fascinating space. Um, and um, last year, I just got a chance to get um, um, the, the chance to get closer. And I was so happy. It also helped me direct my, uh, actually nail the topic of my dissertation. So this is. Uh, How did you get to meet Zubrin? Was there like a contest or was it a chance meeting? Actually, um, I attended a conference, a digital mining conference in Miami in July. So one of the miners um, had some business with Zubrin and we together went to Denver in August in late, uh, I believe August the 17th. That's a very impressive day. So, and I, I got signed a book from uh, Dr. Zubrin, very happy. And uh, later on the 18th, his wife, Hope also uh, them too invited me for dinner in, in, in Golden City. That was um, very meaningful for me. Was the yeah. book uh, The Case for Space? Yes, actually too. The Case for Space and-, and the case um, for Mars. For Mars, I got two. And later when I got back, I also ordered uh, some other uh, previous, uh, his, his publications, uh, enjoyed them. Yes. Yeah. the. Um, the first book, The Case for Space, was the required reading for the most recent class I completed for a, a graduate school. So it's a very good read. He's, he's, he's very pragmatic and a futurist at the same time. Well, what do you find inspirational about his work? What is it about his books that you found to be so intriguing? I think other than... Um... Like, I mean, as the same as other scientific books, uh, it's a lot of numbers and uh, um, I mean, sci scientific facts. But beyond that, my favorite part is that Dr. Zubrin put a lot of, I mean, shared some deep 
um, his motivation, what um, brought him there. And I really enjoyed reading that part. It's not a lot, but maybe one or two sentences at the very beginning of each chapter. Um, maybe because my <laughs> I'm in humanities study, so I oh it definitely uh, connects me uh, very well um, in a way that okay I. Like I, I, it keeps me reading, um, and also I was I was a science student uh, back to high school, so I learned a lot of um, physics, chemistry, biology. So that was not hard at all. Um, so yeah, that's my uh, reading from <laughs> Dr. Zerberin. Right, I particularly enjoyed the fact that he took what is the reality on the ground, and then he mm -hmm. showed where we could be. And he laid out a very pragmatic path that considered the economics, the, yes. the international relations. Uh, it was yeah. a very, I thought it was illuminating. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it so much because it made sense. It seemed very logical. And it, he, was, he was both practical and inspirational, right? This is where we yeah. could be. And this is how we could do it. it. I just thought it was a wonderfully good book. So I'm going to... I'm going to be drawing on that and using that some even in my classes, uh, I believe. I, I, I totally agree with you, especially practical definitely is the word. I do feel very practical. When we think about space, most of the time we think, oh, that's such a far, like far-fetched topic from us. It's, we can't do anything with it. We have little to none to play with it. But when you, when you read Dr. Zubrin, you will feel that, hey, that's not too hard. Like all the balance sheets are there. It's just about a number, like how mask reduces the cost of the rocket from 8 million to 3 million to 3 million. And everything is so simple and easy. I will say that's probably the easiest or simplest um, scientific book to read for, uh, for I mean, young talents. Um, that's definitely also my favorite part, economy, economics, like, yeah. And the space travels, it also opened my eyes. Like yeah. we can do a cruise. I know that we can go to Bahamas, we can go to the Europe for cruise. And then I think, oh, that's very cool. <clears throat> if you think we can go from New York to Australia, have a seven day cruise in the space, that is so cool. So I, yeah. I, that's my favorite part as well. Thanks, Kevin, <laughs> to remind me of that. Yes. How are how did you? Um, I know you're doing something related to computer science, I believe, or data collection in, for your studies. So, yes. how does that connect with what you're looking to do with space, or is it just um, the idea of STEM in general? I think uh, at the very beginning, it's the STEM in general because I got my master's uh, degree from uh, Warrington College of Business. So we did information systems and operations management, more towards big data and the in business field. And last semester with my advisor, uh, I actually did um, <laughs> did um, a, a project uh, to to uh, pr pr prediction model analysis to predict uh, whether uh, SpaceX can recycle its uh, first stage launching rockets <laughs> to reduce their cost. Wow. Yep. So that you, uh, hopefully you came out on the side that he would be very good at that. He's I, I think they recycled them uh, 10, 12 times. Some of the boosters. 
at least 10 or 12 times, right? Uh, more than that. Wow. <laughs> about six, about 60, uh, around 60. Oh, he already. shooting for six zero launches with a first stage. That's a very efficient. Very much. This actually is the crucial, crucial factor for Musk to be very competitive. Oh, he's disruptive. <laughs> and and In this part point. of uh, Zubrin's calculus of reducing the cost per kilogram of getting to space. You know, uh, he, I, I think he likened it to the internet for our, our viewers that maybe or people listening maybe that haven't read his book. Uh, you know, when you think about the internet, the internet costs money in the beginning, but now it's basically, you know, everyone has access, it's free, the internet. The question is, what do you do with it? I think the same thing we could say about space, right? If we keep lowering the right. access to space, then uh, as Jeff Greeson said, there's a lot of economic cases that can be made for people to go out and make money. True. <laughs> but it seems to me like if, if while well, that may be true, I wonder about the ethical conversations that come around with the people who have access because then they're making more money. And then we always have that disparity between those. So, I mean, I see space as the, this great opportunity, but at the same time, oh. we have a tendency to take advantage of those as humans, I think sometimes. Well, this is also a big concern in the book. Actually, in both books, Dr. Zerbrin, well, it's, it's a concern. Well, we have conservatives, we have, we have environmental, <laughs> environmentalists, and the, all the leftists will think, hey, um, humans, let's live a good life on Earth first, then to explore space. So a lot of them are arguments going there. They think that uh, those who has the vision or like dedicating themselves to the space or to the Mars are not really helping to, to solve the problems on our earth. But I mean, from my perspective or reading, I, I am with Dr. Zerbrin. It's not about we are not caring enough for our earth. It's about the vision that we want to provide opportunity and uh, give future generations laid a solid foundation for them to go further to seek chances actually this is also our way to pre preserve or reserve our mother earth that's what i think <laughs> well, those, those future generations that you talk about let's talk about women in stem as those future generations because i know that's the big <laughs> proponent of your dissertation so what do you see as the biggest challenge with um recognizing women in this in the stem field or why do we still have the same problem we seem to have forever uh well one of the uh the, the talented young students in uh in kevin's class last time mentioned actually is um role model uh it is true um, because we simply lack a more role models as a male in in this field, and back to even back to 1970s, we we didn't really have um, female astronauts uh, in space industry. Um, so I think it's a historical um, problem and challenge, um, but also a we can see that during the past decades we've improved a lot we have so many female and this is the the women the historical month we know that okay we are improving we are closing the um the the social gap um especially considering the the gender gap especially so um 
I think a role model and the other is that we really need to demystify the gender difference, physical level, mental level, spiritual level. We want to provide um, provide with future generations with a sound scientific facts that hey, we are we are we are equal. We are close to each other. Um, <laughs> So that's very important. That that's that's important. So motivation, um, true. We want more role models. We want to. We want females to um, um, excel. But also, we have to prove ourselves, and uh, we are. We can do that. So. Is, right. Is that the focus of your dissertation in general? Is the lack of of women role models, or or share a little bit about your research that you're doing? Okay, so role model is only one of the factors, um, but also there's uh, like uh, social, it's one of the factors in social part, like social factors, but also family background is very important. Uh, women's childhood experience play a significant role in shaping their major choices, career path development. Um, that's also important. That's, um, and, and their relationships with their significant partners are very important. This is a very, uh, I think this is a quite different from male's career development. Uh, like male, like their significant partners, like their wives, girlfriends may not influence them that much, but for females somehow studies prove, um, that show, studies show actually, sorry, show that um, their significant partners, especially their husbands, uh, are very important uh, for their career success. I wonder and if that's related for, to like the idea that what they didn't get from their fathers kind of thing, right? It goes back. Well, that's yeah. true. Fathers as well, yeah. like a heritage, like a heritage and, uh, and the other second would be husband. And you know what, Shana? Sons. I don't know whether you have any sons. I do. I have a son. So... Yeah. Husband and the sons are very important for those <laughs> um, I, I, women's I, I, success. I would imagine that a female astronaut that has a husband, that husband mm -hmm. would be incredibly supportive, understanding the demands of that kind of career track, just to be in a position to be selected, much less once you are selected. Uh, I would right. imagine there's a, a very supportive home life, uh, especially uh, for the women. Have you studied the previous uh, women astronauts uh, in the U.S. program much? Because there's, I, one, there, there's one I wanted to share with you. She was my uh, one of my all-time favorite astronauts. Her name is Shannon <laughs> Lucid. Have you heard of her name before? Yes, uh, I, I, I did. <laughs> um, Shannon so, Lucid. Yes, she grew up, she spent a lot of her childhood in China. Her, she was a child of missionaries. Her parents, I think she was, uh, uh, her parents were pilots, right? Small, they flew small planes. So she learned how to fly. Uh, she became a biochemist. That's one reason I really like her because I was a biochemist. And I particularly enjoyed, uh, you know, reading about her. And she lived on the mirror for a while before the space station. I really wanted to be connected with her. And I want to invite her as one of my one of the participants in my research because she spent a lot of years in Shanghai and her parents too, like you said, they, they are missionaries back to the, the World War II yeah, that time. After World War II. 
out of, after World War II, right? And um, I, I think she's in Texas, probably. Probably. And I, I don't know, but it would be great if I can be connected with her and invite her for <laughs> for my I, dissertation I think, for uh, an interview. Right, and I think she was in that first class of women astronauts with uh, Judy Resnick, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know if. And Sally Ride, Dr. Sally Ride, and uh, mm-hmm. Shannon Lucid, but uh, they were very accomplished. You know, they were every bit as accomplished as anyone else. You know, I'm thinking a little bit about what you're saying with your research and from a psychological aspect and the ideas of identity, right? How mm-hmm. women see themselves juxtaposed yeah. to the men in their lives, and which seems opposite mm-hmm. to me of like men see themselves as themselves. They don't need someone mm-hmm. else to feed off of it. Like an identity. That, right. Like they already have this established identity. Women seem to, according to her research, are gathering it from there. And I'm thinking, Kevin, about what you said about an astronaut who must have that support. I wonder if I wonder if it would be interesting to study what happens from a relational aspect with oneself when you come back from space as a woman. So you're already very independent. You have to be, right? In order to have gone through the process to make it to survive Mm -hmm. in space with a group of different people without your Mm -hmm. small little group of you know your support system if you will and then to come back how do you fit in then with your your spouses or your the men in your life again I think you're right you have to have had some men who are supportive of that but that's not the traditional male role the traditional male role would be threatened by a woman who's like a man air quotes in that respect right I I would and I would top of that the years of training they do before a mission they make a new family right the Mm -hmm. crews become family Uh, once I imagine and maybe you could enlighten us more about once a crew is selected for a mission, they train for at least a year, maybe two, before they go mm-hmm. on that mission, which uh, makes them become very close. What, what, what would you say to some of those things? Um, uh, Kevin, I, I, I didn't quite, can, can you uh, rephrase the, the, the question? We're talking about relationships uh, after they mm-hmm. come back from space, but then I was oh. thinking the training that a crew does together really they tend to get very close at least they speak about things like that where a group of astronauts that are on the same mission they train so much together that they become very close close so yeah she was she was asking about once they return from no space, i'm saying that i believe that that would be a difficulty in a women a female astronaut's perspective of returning back after mm-hmm. having, because there's, they have to be independent. Yes, they are going to have a family unit in space, so to speak. But like, they yes. have to be integrated. Okay, thanks. And now I see your 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 where your question is from. Thanks. I really like this one because one of my dissertation committee members is the dean of the college uh, college of uh, aeronautics at Florida Tech, Dr. John Deaton. So his expertise is uh, psychology in astronauts. So we can classify astronauts into two groups generally, long-term missions and Mm short-term missions. So for short-term missions, we may not expect more um, like psychological issues from when they come back because it's short, um, relatively short. But if it's a three month, six months, well, when we go to Mars, I mean, the round trip will just cost a one and a half year, right? So it's going to be, a problem and even the communication is a big issue because it's not going to be simultaneous 
communication. Right. Like we can appreciate now. It's going to be at least a 10 to 14 minutes delay. So that's going to be a huge challenge for someone in a family, especially like Shauna, you pointed out very, right? Like for female, like we just felt like we have a stronger sense of belonging. We belong to our sons, our husbands, our family, and also sense of attachment. And we, oh, our sons belong us. We have the responsibility. Oh, I belong to my husband. And then I want to lean on him or like, so that, um, so th that that's the, when they come back, they need to kind of emerge themselves back into an, an earth cultural. That right. is uh, um, a topic for uh, psychologists, even psychiatrists to, 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 to examine yeah. now. Yeah. And well, also it's a topic for their training for to increase team effective. Sorry. I'm just getting excited about what you're saying. Sorry, because it's like, I don't always get to, I don't always understand what we're talking about when we talk about space stuff, but I kind of get the psychology part. So um, I'm wondering then if it's not important from a young girl's perspective when we're talking about the talented women of the future, right? Uh, right. To imagine that the way that they're, if we, if we can say that they're identifying with men particularly, we almost are trying... Are we suggesting it would be better to try to help them not have that same identifying up against men from a young age, but rather to identify self? And Actually, thanks, Shana. Um, one thing is that uh, the, 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 the purpose of my dissertation is to explore different, uh, different motivation models or coping skills. Uh, first, we want to explore, hey, we have, I, I mean, ideally, we, we, I will talk to six to eight female astronauts from different backgrounds. And then we see, oh, what are the major uh, challenges for them and how they keep kept motivated all the way through. And also, we want to try, like, we, I want to kind of build a model or seek a pattern how they um, coped with those challenges differently, right? Like identity is definitely one thing. So some female will empower themselves by changing names. Like by changing their names, they could feel, oh, I'm a new person. I'm like, it, it, it's very powerful. I, I have heard stories about that. Each time they, if they change a name, they feel different. It's, it's a different day, different, um, different chapter of their life. They feel, mm -hmm. oh, I have a mission. They have a strong sense of a mission. It's just like because they get the, divorced and they go back to their maiden name versus their married name, the name. That's true. One of that. And uh, the other is that they can, oh, I just, uh, um, so, oh, the others are transgender. I they actually, I know, yeah, this is, I mean, Actually, I want to talk to, I want to seek answers from those successful, our successful models. Do you think, because this is really a severe, like this is a social problem, not only to seek their motivations, but by asking, exploring their motivations, I want to ask those strong women 
about social issues. What are the best ways to cure those social traumas? Why we have to? Why female beautiful ladies have to identify ourselves as men to be powerful? Exactly. Or why you know if a man has those same traits, they're allowed it, but women ah, well they're you know they're too aggressive. Yeah, and and gender and gender equality has been one of my like back to my uh, my bachelor's degree actually examined the gender differences uh, from a content analysis in Virginia Woolf's uh, Orlando the the novel. Mm-hmm. So I mean, from my bachelor to <laughs> to uh, to masters and to to the final one, the PhD, I find oh this is this is really what I care about. Um, to to find the see, to seek the beautiful balance of the whole society, the universe, to to just be ourselves and not to twist, not by twisting ourselves, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe maybe the requisite read for all women going into space will be Virginia Woolf's A Room of One's Own. Maybe we maybe we start with that. The idea of like we all need our own space in space. Right. Right. Let's. Uh... Uh, only for sake of time, I want to pivot the conversation just a little, because obviously we could have you back for other discussions. Um, but I wanted to ask you, uh, you when we met, it was quite, uh, you know, unplanned, right? When uh, I first met you, uh, we were in the cafeteria at Florida Tech. Uh, did you notice, I'll, I'll throw this out, did you notice which students I was sitting with uh, and which students I was not sitting with. Do you remember that the first time we met in the cafeteria? Kevin, I really appreciate your recalling of this scene. We met on the table of yours with a group of boys only. Yes. And the other table actually were about, uh, I think, 10 feet, 10 to 15 feet from us, a round table with about five girls, five to seven young ladies. Really, I have to say young ladies, good manners, so respectful and um, very appropriate. I enjoy uh, meeting them as well. And I actually, I did during my visit a few uh, last week, I I met two or three of them. Um, So the boys, I don't know. I, I I believe there are some two to three years uh, age difference between them. Um, but the boys are a little bit naughtier and more active, uh, not seemingly mature. <laughs> no, you're uh, you're spot on. As, not not only are they the same age, they're the same grade in the same class. But the reason I was sitting with the boys yeah. is because they could not be trusted to sit by themselves. And the girls were completely fine in sitting yeah. by themselves. I'm really glad you remembered that because that is exactly what I was doing is those girls yeah. are great. I would love to build a rocket team just around those five, six girls. Uh, but the yeah. boys, they need a little more supervision at this point. Yeah, you know what? I like to teach the boys <laughs> because I see some part of me at the at their age because I am I like rules I really like uh following rules very disciplined uh with good principles and disciplines but I can see them they are very smart they are quick and they are always thinking the boys are so active not only in like behavior 
that not only in behaviors, but also I, I can see that they, they keep thinking different things, like very exciting. Um, but I mean, they do need disciplines too. But but um, I so that that's why I enjoy because they want to be rule breakers. So I think they have to understand that, okay, in order to be a good rule breaker, not not like not, not, um, you have to like to improve the society and not to be like right. arrested, arrested. Right. You have to obey rules first. You have to learn the whole system, what works well, what doesn't, then you can improve. Right. So, so <laughs> I was, well, you can, I just, yeah. you go. I'll just, my concluding thought is we're at a new school and those boys, they don't have role models to look at the older students that have already been in our program. So they, we're having to sort of make them, they're going to become the first exemplars, right? As they get older, the kids that come behind them can then look at that sixth grade as they move through middle school and we'll help them become the role models for the kids coming behind them. But I have found that with really young, excited kids like that, if you can give them a mission way out there in the future that says, you know, we're going to build this thing for space, that yeah. will help them figure out, hey, I've got to be focused on that, that goal. Uh, that's why, Shauna, please. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, like, for me, I think that it goes back to the identity and how women or girls versus boys are raised. Girls are raised with the idea that we have to be polite and well-mannered, like you pointed out, so that the idea that, oh, we might be naughty is against the grain. Boys, different. They're allowed to be naughty. They're allowed to ex go against the <laughs> rules, right? So that's just yeah. another thought I have. Anyway, I know for the sake of time, we've got to get to the, the advice portion um, as well. And I, so as we do have some listeners out here uh, who I know are going to be inspired by you today, what do you have to say to those young women out there who might be thinking about uh, breaking some rules of their own, maybe in regards to STEM? I, I'm, I was a rule breaker. I'm still, I, I, I'm still is, um, I'm still, I, I mean, um, I will say, stay true to yourself. Um, then fight. <laughs> yeah, like that. stay true. Yeah, we have to stay true first to ourselves, then we can stay true to others. And then fight wisely we don't have to fight smartly we have to fight wisely in for the long for the long run and if they don't have role models who look like them now what can they maybe do uh to to stay on that track if they see themselves as maybe doing a career in stem i mean um i will say customize your role model I don't agree with the, like one role model is for everyone. There's no one size fit all thing in, in, in personal growth or self-improvement. We need to learn how to customize our own role model. If you let me uh, give you my role model, I would say, okay, Virginia Woolf's hat maybe Marilyn Monroe's body, yeah. <laughs> or maybe uh, we need um, uh, Tiffany Breakfast, what, what's uh, Audrey Herbin's um, minor and Grace. We need a lot of role models. And we also need the disciplines of the hidden figures 
three women, the mathematicians. We need the disciplines. We need the persistence. We need the, uh, the resilience. So different. I will give you a, <laughs> a role model with a for little each, bit of, yeah, for each one, a little bit of each one that yeah. I learned from them for different situations for me to cope with for different situations. So that's I like how that. I, I grow. So yeah. you take the very best attributes of anyone out there yeah. to make a composite of your ideal role model. I like that. Mm -hmm. I think that mm -hmm. works for everybody, not just girls, right? Yeah. Agreed. I think for, 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 for boys as well. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Uh, I had a great time that I don't often get to be as engaged as I am in these. And so, you know, it makes me wish I were back in school, honestly, working on something from a psychological aspect as well. So I appreciate the, the conversation. We look forward to talking with you again. And uh, we'll look forward to coming and visiting you at Florida Tech in the next uh, few months. Yeah, I look forward to your coming. And I really appreciate you having me here today. I enjoyed our conversation and I look forward more. Thank you. Well, I hope that I didn't come across as monopolizing that conversation, but I really love when we start talking about some of the ethical uh, and the psychological ramifications, particularly with identity, you know, um, just because I, I think as a, as a woman myself, who's really not a STEM person, I can sense that these same issues that women have faced, regardless of what uh, career, kind of trans, transcend into all of these areas. So that was fun. Yes, and I, I enjoyed... Uh definitely looking at the psychology of the folks that end up going to space. I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the conversation about Zubrin and the case for mm -hmm. space. Uh, it's nice to find people that when you read something and you really, it really makes a difference when you read it. The first thing you want to do is, is either share it, get other people to or read it, about it or have someone to discuss yeah. uh, that with. So it was very nice to find somebody who appreciated and actually met Zubrin. So I thought that was that interesting cool. that she got to meet him. He's, he's certainly, uh, I highly recommend it for uh, young listeners out there. Uh, the case for space by Robert Zubrin. So, and, and it was, uh, it was interesting that Ginger remembered exactly that I was sitting only at the boys table and that the girls are sitting at a different place in the cafeteria. Well, she probably pays attention to identity and gender. If that's such an area of her focus, she probably takes note of it wherever she is to see I, I, boys I, together, girls right. together. And I thought it was great that she thought that the girls were two years older than the boys. Well, that, yeah. That was, uh, that was a great... Uh, I misheard. I thought she meant the boys were older. No, no. She, she said the boys were... Um, she implied the boys were years younger than the girls. And they're the same, by the way, uh, for our listeners, that was my sixth grade earth space class that we visited Florida Tech and hung out with the engineers. Well, and anyway, that was that was fun. So um, if you thought this week was fun, we hope that you'll join us next week for another episode of Let's Go to Space when we together will, of course, say, let's, let's go, go to space. space. <laughs>